welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we review and discuss TV shows, movies, and everything else pop culture. Today, we'll be taking a look at the first entry into the third season of Disney Plus original series, The Mandalorian. My name is Emmett, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and fresh off inking his four-season sitcom deal, Ivan in the Middle. Ivan. That's right. Coming for you, George Lopez. There can't just be one Mexican sitcom out there. Yeah, this is like where Malcolm meets George. Yeah, Jorge, we like to call him. Yeah, I was but... going to ask you, why didn't they just call it Jorge, um, Jorge Lopez? I think it's because um, it, that That's name was name. A, no, you know, it just it just you know, test audiences didn't really take it all that well. <laughs> they would have been like George, who's that? Who's George here? <laughs> yeah, that would have been me. I love, those, <laughs> I love those memes though, where it's like. Uh, you ever see the the one where it's the kid from Monsters Inc. who wakes up in the middle of the night to see his like TVs oh. on and blurry, but then it's it's the George yeah. Lopez theme song. <laughs> it's like so relatable. <laughs> Listen, that Lowrider theme song. Woo! That's a classic. That really hit, right? <laughs> you know, that, this brings me back to high school uh, social studies class when one time my teacher was like, name one television show that you can you see yourself in. And I was like, the George Lopez show. I can't find any other Mexicans on television. So like, I'll go with that. I have a feeling you've said that before on this pod. I or might maybe have. You, maybe you just tell me that all the time. And I, I... it hurts every time. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I want to apologize for white people. Okay. <laughs> uh, specifically white males. <laughs> I apologize for my demographics, sir. <laughs> yeah, we, we've controlled the media too long. <laughs> Not me personally, but yeah, it's all the same. Listen, George Lopez was a hit. All right? That was like the best sitcom show I used to watch at Nick at Night. <laughs> it was like pretty funny. I just loved the mom who was just so trash. <laughs> she just didn't care i loved her character i kind of wish they'd bring that back or something i don't know like speaking on sitcoms speaking on sitcoms (laughs) sitcoms that went out in the 90s that started and went out in the 90s you don't want back you don't want what kid meets world whatever the you know the follow-up of boy meets world is you don't want that was is there an actual follow-up to boy meets world i think it's girl and i think it's his daughter oh it's like the same stuff, just through her perspective. You know what's you know what's you know what's on my wall, Emmett. You no, know I what don't. It is? You didn't write anything down. I know. I for, okay. Like I, I forgot. <laughs> I wrote everything else down. Okay. So. Got no walls. You got to get behind one. <laughs> um. Honestly, I've been, I've been on the whole like uh like like Star Wars type mood lately, and that led me to a lot of YouTube. Um. You know the YouTube rabbit hole. I discovered this uh, this like YouTube channel that had a I don't know if you've ever seen these, but like people do like video essays. It sounds sad. For it's not the fully sad, who made it and also the person who spent the time to watch it. Okay, <laughs> uh, but please enlighten us. <laughs> so it's there's a YouTube channel. Um, More than one, called, probably. It's called Art Artor or something like that. I'm not Ordeal. Or this, it's called Artor, like A R T O R R. Um, he made this like two hour video <laughs> about the Mandalorian and the mythology behind it and all that. I, I, I put it on the background uh, earlier this week. I just thought it was a really, really cool little um, piece about the, the Mandalorian and like drawing comparisons to mythology and stuff. 
Um, I, I, it's it's a nice little listen. It's kind of like one of those like behind the scenes. Two type hours. Thing. Yeah, two hours and seven <laughs> Jeez, minutes. Jeez, man. I was right on the sad thing. It's a nice background listen. <laughs> okay, like, listen, you're talking to a guy that listens to audiobooks. Okay, so it's like, got, this... like the uh, how it should have ended, uh, like graphics, which is oh, what I like. Yes, it's 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 a nice listen. Like whenever you have nothing else to do. All right, well, <laughs> but, we're not sponsored by them, so. I mean, they're a small channel. I don't want to think they could sponsor anything, but I don't know. They got like five hundred thousand views on their Mandalorian one. That's like four hundred forty-nine thousand. <laughs> more than us. <laughs> yeah, that's all me. <laughs> no, it, it was fun though. It just kind of got me into the, the, the you know the Mando spirit this week. Cause uh, you doing any rewatches of anything, or are you just like crushing the new stuff, Bad I re- Batch, and I rewatched season one uh, last week, and then I finished season season two again over the over the weekend. Speaking on Bad Batch, by the way. Wait to like wait until Mando drops to drop the best episode of Bad Batch so far. <laughs> so we got a double dosing of some some pretty good content this week, and that 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 was a nice surprise. Like I, I don't mind double the Star Wars when the quality is good. Oh, well, good for you, giving uh, the small channels a chance. Plug right there. Now that guy owes me the fifty dollars he promised me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the listen, and here's your fifty bucks. Thank you for thank you for the Arby's gift card, sir. No, I also uh, this Mandalorian has gotten me back in the Star Wars groove. I'm planning a nice little trilogy rewatch this weekend. Binged out the uh, season two of Mando and the important Book of Boba episodes, just the good ones. So, like a quarter of the show. Like one episode, the one where Mando shows up for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> there were like three good episodes in that show, though. Yeah, the three with Mando. There's only two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, because I rewatched season two of Mandalorian. I was like, I thought he trained with the Darksaber and got banished. And then that was when I it clicked that I was in the Book of Boba episode. And there was no Boba Fett in that episode. <laughs> As it should be. Um, but my wall, I've just, uh, I've been crushing the Creed movies, man. I am so in the mood for Creed 3 dropping as we're recording this in the next few hours. I'm not going to go, though. Are you, are you into the Creeds? Were you a Rocky guy? I'm into all the Creeds, man. Creed 1, Creed 2, Creed Barton. You know, Creed like, the brand, band. Yeah, Creed the band. Um, sure. Is there like the... Creed Bratton? Yeah, Creed Bratton. Did I say Barton? Oh my god. Yeah. I oh, I thought you were doing that. like uh, Hawkeye. Oh no 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 that 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 that's I forgot his first name. It's it's similar <laughs> to Creed though. I think I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Creed one and two were really good. Um, I'm definitely watching Creed three at, at some point with my work travel. Maybe I'll sit down somewhere in San Francisco and watch it if I get a minute. But it, um, it's got great Rotten Tomato early reviews. Now here's the only thing that worries me though. Is okay. that, oh no, I'm looking at Creed 1. I don't know about Creed 3 having good reviews. Never mind. You know, it's still a 90. But here's here's the only thing I'm not sure on. Michael B. Jordan is directing himself in this movie. Do we feel like this is in his wheelhouse to do? Would this be his first thing he's directing? Because I don't think he's done anything like this before, right? I think this is his first directorial debut. That's a risk. And, and it also seems like, I've watched a few like side interviews. I don't think uh stallone has had anything to do with this project no he's kind of beefing with the with the studio over the fact that he's not involved at all 
Oh, I didn't know if it was like by choice or not, but still, that doesn't bode well for a Rocky movie if you have the guy who wrote it not involved. Yeah, I think it's like a rights issue or something like that. Like, he, there was some dispute over who owns the rights to Rocky, and I think the studio basically just kind of like strong-armed uh, their way into into having absolute rights. So I think there was that. that that's why he deliberately chose not to be a part of the movie. I don't think they like completely dismissed him. I think it was just more like some bad blood between him and the studio. Gotcha. But yeah, it, it's gonna be. But then again, like you have people like Ben Affleck that are performers also and have done really well under the directorial uh, chair. So that 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 might be in Michael B. Jordan's future too. But like, yeah, who know, who knows? It's always a little bit of a risk when they do these transitions into you know from in front of the camera to behind. I guess also this is kind of like not that this is a low stakes movie, but. It's kind of hard to mess these movies up. I think they're so formulaic. It's not like you're directing like an Oscar contender. He's a big anime guy too. He's always talk. He's he talks about how like some of the shots that he framed for for Creed three are like very anime oriented. So I'm interested to kind of see what kind of like design choices he makes here because those those are always kind of like or not kind of they're really important for these types of movies too, especially with anything involving boxing. Do you think he's gonna do like a Kamehameha? I would hope so. It's the only thing that makes sense. I'm waiting for the Fortnite drop on this, like whenever they release the Creed skin pack, you know? Oh my gosh, that's going to be awesome. Give me Apollo Creed too. The the smallest. Yeah, like you get like Michael B. Jordan's Creed, but as you get more kills, you get older, like Apollo. Give me uh, Ivan Drago, right? The the villain in the second one. But make him like the back bling. So like, (laughs) it all comes back to Fortnite. I love it. All right, why don't we move along and just get into the Mando, what people are wanting to talk about. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. Did you, did you have any thoughts on the episode? It was all right. No, come on. We know you. You're the hype man. I am the hype man, unfortunately. <laughs> um, Honestly, I thought I thought it was a it was a really good way to kick off the season. I don't think it's like the best episode of Mando ever, nor do I think it's like the best first episode. I still feel like that falls under the first season's first episode. I think they did a really, really good job here to reintroduce us to the world to kind of get us uh, back into that the rhythm of uh, of, of that this Mandoverse, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I had a really good time with it. I think it was uh, I didn't realize how much I missed this this show, to be honest with you, until like the end credits started rolling. And I was like, oh, damn, this was this was really, really good um, Star Wars. Yeah, I thought this was also a really well-paced episode. I thought there was a lot of excitement from start to finish. Uh, multiple big fights. It's really, really well shot. Like, I know it's all CGI and it's all in that dome or whatever. It's so impressive. Like, even rewatching season two, like, watching the Razor Crest flying. Like, this show is so good with its graphics that it just makes me wonder why, like, some of these other Marvel movies and whatnot come out looking so bad when it's, like, the attention to detail on this is really what makes me... Like gets me excited to watch it. Um, I wish we either got longer episodes where it was a bit more strict about being like 40 plus, but I think it still played like a longer, like there was, there was a lot of substance to this and it didn't feel rushed. It felt nicely paced. And I think one thing like you and I have disagreed on like Andor, right. And like stuff like that of the recent star Wars content. And that even Obi-Wan, I feel like I enjoyed most of it, but there was a little few elements of that that kind of felt 
a little off. This kind of brought everything back to that Star Wars feel. Like, where I feel like Andor, there's a big debate as to whether it feels Star Wars or not. I feel like it doesn't, but it, it uses the world of Star Wars as its background. This is more of like a in-your-face kind of Star Wars vibe to it from start to finish. Like, I think, I still think, like, and, and I'll, you know, I'll choose to die on this hill, but Andor had some of the best performances I've ever seen in the Star Wars show, especially, um, uh, you know, Skarsgård's uh, monologue towards the end of that series. But that's, that being said, like, undeniably, I get why people were bored with Andor. I totally get it. You don't have that problem here. And while the performances may not be like, you know, let's say like Shakespearean level performances here it's not meant to be and this world is utilized to the fullest extent that it could be here but this is like undeniably star wars like that i feel like that's the best way to describe this show yeah it does feel like they directly brought like a animated series to live action like that usually doesn't work out that well but i think they they've nailed it with this series can we talk about that intro scene real quick because i feel like um yeah i don't think we have to do a spoiler warning because this is just a TV show, but we let's just get into the meat and potatoes. Actually, I'm gonna skip the potatoes. There's too much carbs in those. I'll go right, I'll directly to them. Thank, thank you. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, the opening sequence. I mean, my goodness. Um, I had some people text me and see think that the beginning was that they thought they were led to believe that the beginning was a flashback. I didn't really get that at all. But yeah, no. Yeah, right. Until like obviously, I feel like maybe I could kind of see why until like the Naboo fighter flies in. But that was a really cool little glimpse into what the what the Mandos do like culturally, and also yeah. like a good reminder of to why there's so few of them. You know, like they have to stop stop like hosting their little baptism like ceremonies in waters that are infested with giant alligators. You know, like maybe if you like your people are endangered, <laughs> maybe let's not do that. <laughs> Comes with the territory, literally. <laughs> uh no i didn't get flashback scenes the only thing i could i couldn't help myself thinking about while watching it was like whose son is this that got this part like is it dave filoni's yeah. kid uh no it's actually jimmy kimmel's uh nephew apparently how did he get on this <laughs> <laughs> but regardless of his weird little performance uh no i didn't think flashback i i thought it was like oh we're trying to establish that we've fast forwarded through time a little bit where they've been able to like find new stake in, in the world and they're starting to like regrow their numbers. What was interesting is like that they're working so much color into their uniforms. I don't remember. I probably have to go back to season one, but I thought they were all kind of like standard dark blue and gray no they they were multicolored even back then but it was hard to tell because a lot of the mando shots were at night and also yeah. in that tunnel yeah uh, but they've always been like multicolored um okay which i i thought there was some sense to the colors like each one was from a different house or something but i can't really tell if that's true here yeah i think we're throwing some rules out the window there but does john favreau's character um pre Vizsla or whatever the descendant of Vizsla. It's actually post Vizsla. <laughs> post post Vizsla. <laughs> it's Paz, I think. Paz Vizsla, according Vizsla. to the credits. Does, yeah. Does he get a bigger gun every season? Yeah, I think they add like another another couple inches to it. This guy's just like overcompensating. Once he lost the <laughs> the fight for the dark saber, he's like, all right, I'm gonna get a bigger gun now. <laughs> He's the pickup truck guy with the with the <laughs> with the, like. I want to soup it up. Yeah. <laughs> I need bigger tires. He's like the guy that puts the metal balls in the back of the truck too. 
I don't know if you've ever seen those, but every time I go to Texas, the off the tailgate. Yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah. all right. <laughs> no, but um, I thought it was like, it, it's a cool sequence, and then you do feel like there's some level of danger, and then obviously when uh, Din Jaren comes in, save the day, you got to give a little jump out your seat and clap. That was a nice hero moment there. Yeah, but like, how did he find them? <laughs> <laughs> he had so much trouble finding them the last time. Yeah, that got me a little confused too, because I feel like in Book of Boba, right? He was just following up on rumors or something. Yeah, he had to like do more side quests to get uh, an answer of like, where's the lower level? He probably put like an Apple Air tag on on the armorer's boots or something. Like, yeah, when, you don't lose them again. Yeah. <laughs> it surprised me because I thought you know he became an apostate, which is the title of this episode and the book of Boba Fett. But like I, I was under the impression that he was not to step back in with them this whole time. Yeah, I think that's still the case, but they did lay the um, parameters of his return to be like you have to bathe in the waters, but they said that was impossible. So that's where his mission's leading him. Um, but I, I do get the sense that this is all leading up to like he's gonna lead these this sect of Mandalorians along with the one that um towards the end Bo Katan is talking about. And he seems like he's gonna be like the unifier, or at least that's like I don't want to get into predictions yet, but that seems like where we're kind of like aiming this episode towards. I hope we do see that because I feel like it seems like the natural projection. Yeah. you know for him even though like he kind of stumbled on this responsibility versus wanting it the thing like and this doesn't necessarily have to do with this episode but the thing i really like finishing season two i really wanted him to stay like l- have grogu stay with luke but also join grogu and learn how to use the dark saber i think that would have been a nice small arc of like one or two episodes let him learn how to lead with the weapon like he can't even hold it up yeah i feel like the this feels like they kind of rushed it the re the reunion there again i don't know if you saw some of the press stuff for this but like the, dave filoni and john Favreau were saying that um from a timeline perspective grogu was meant to be with luke for two years but because of the way things played out it doesn't feel that way at least for us he was with him for not even two episodes <laughs> <laughs> right i was like he, he... <laughs> what are we talking about I, I guess we're supposed to be seeing like Grogu display some more force ability this season versus last, um, which, which he definitely does. Yeah, for, so that'll give us our indication of time. It's just that I feel like having him reunited with Grogu in Book of Boba Fett will definitely throw some people off, and so it just has a different vibe to it because there's been no establishment as to how much time has passed. Yeah, I think this is what we were talking about in one of our other episodes, where if you didn't watch Book of Boba Fett. I don't know who's really watching one of these and not the other, but those that skipped it wouldn't see the connection between Luke taking Grogu away at the end of season two for Mando and opening this season with a brand new ship, a brand new, like Grogu's back on his side. Like a lot happened. Also, I think the only indication of time passing by is the the fact that Navarro is now a full-fledged city versus it was like the slums at the end of season one. And there's a grass growing on the rocks now. Like (laughs) what? What have we like? What changes did we make to make this place like a oasis? And the Babu Fricks moved in. Oh yeah, the Babus. 
the best part of Rise of Skywalker. Like, honestly, like I, I have my problems with that movie, but Babu Frick was the highlight of the movie for me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad like when to all those his... Jedi voices came to Ray at the end. Oh, I love that too. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's like the the ultimate best best. Scene I think I like the, the fan edit better, where they like show the ghosts of those talking. Those ones are that that's better than what Disney came up with. Well, you know, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I feel like Disney could have done differently. <laughs> Patton Oswalt came up with better on Parks and Rec. <laughs> Ray, though, like the design for Ray was pretty good in that movie. Like her arms are always exposed to be inoculated at any point, so like she's de- definitely like vaccine friendly. Like, <laughs> in case that ever comes to be relevant. <laughs> Um, all right, so opening scene, and then that leads to Mando wanting to go back to Mandalore, but it's gonna obviously we got to do some side quests, we can't just go there. Listen, he's got to unlock prestige mode. I mean, you can't go up against the look how easily he defeated Moff Gideon. That's because he did all the side quests, okay? True, <laughs> that's why he did it. <laughs> True, um, but then he almost loses to Moff Gideon in the second season. No, he pretty think he about pretty, it. He he bested him pretty easily. The dark no, troopers. No, but then the, the, the dark troopers come back. Yeah, but I mean, like that's cheating. Moff Gideon. Yeah, that's cheating. That's He's... level ten boss. <laughs> Listen, this is why he should have gone for ultra prestige and unlocked the gold plated Beskar before he stepped foot on that ship. But he did not. Um. All right. So, what is his obsession with getting this droid back? I get that, like. It's one that he feels like he can trust, and I know that he's got this deep, you know, rooted mistrust or or, or distrust in droids. But dude, this one's once you brought it back to life and it went back to its programming, that's when you get a new one. You don't gotta go see the Babus. Well, I mean, like personally speaking, I hung on to my iPhone five for like three years past its expiration, so I kind of relate <laughs> as to him stubbornly wanting the same droid again. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of weird because he said he wants a droid to help him uh, explore Mandalore. But why not get an R two unit then? Yeah, I don't think you need unless he's expecting that there's going to be a fight because that's where this I forget the number. It's like IG eighty eight or something like that. IG eleven, sir. Instagram eleven twenty eleven. <laughs> Instagram account. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, IG eleven. I feel like he's got the Matt. He's like he's a bounty hunter. So for all these reasons that. Um, or all these like lessons that Mando is teaching Grogu throughout the episode. I think that's what he's looking for is someone who can navigate the universe, who can fight, who knows like these basic principles of who to trust or not trust. Before I realized how much of IG-11 they actually had there, I thought they were about to use his parts to make like a mech suit for, for Grogu so he doesn't have to rely on that prime. <laughs> that's that what I thought cool. was going to happen. <laughs> that would have been cool. A little, a little macabre though, <laughs> just because like you know, it's his friend technically. I just see him like inside it working the controls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> left, right. <laughs> but also, I, I don't want to jump from Mando entirely, but on Navarro, when Grogu, like when they go into um, Grief Karga's office, and and uh, Grogu does this spin in the chair, did you get like strong Palpatine vibes off that? <laughs> Because he, he twirled around in the chair with his little hand up like he was, like, puppeting something. Yeah, he's definitely been a lot more, like, he, he you know, we're demonstrating his use of the Force more than it is here. I didn't really get Palpatine 
or evil vibes, I guess, from that. No, watch the watch the spin around. It's like a Doctor Evil from Austin Powers meets Palpatine <laughs> spin. Listen, he's just trying to explore his true self here. Right? I mean, I would love not that for him to go evil, but I would love if they explored a little bit more about the cloning that they've been like threading through each season, uh, where it's not overpowering the entire story, but it is like it could explain a little bit more of the the sequel trilogy. It's interesting you say that because this week's Bad Batch also kind of touches on the whole cloning thing. Spoilers! So I feel like they're about to <laughs> they're about to like have these shows work together. I like I don't see why they delayed Bad Batch until now is all I'm saying. Because like it, it just feels weird that we're two Star Wars shows in one. You might be onto something though. I feel like I don't think these decisions are taken without considering some of this stuff in. So well and this was this is I don't want to get too grandiose of a conversation, but this is why Star Wars is so much better than like DC. Like if you have a failure of a movie, you don't just abandon it and start over. You kind of work these like outside plot lines to explain why yeah. those decisions were made. Even if they're not your decisions and you just have to like clean up somebody's fix, like problem, then give us storylines that are interesting to follow and be like, all right. I mean that it doesn't make the like Last Jedi better to watch, but I see where they were going with it or where they like tied it all together. I really do think that we're gonna start seeing here in Mando, whether it's this season or next, but like the foundations of the first order and stuff that starts to happen there. Cause yeah, you're right. Like a lot of this stuff is what Star Wars has really been good at. It's what we saw with Clone Wars, it's what we saw with Rebels. And I hope we continue this. Like honestly, like every time Filoni and Favreau get together and talk about star wars in general like i would sit down and watch something for three hours with those two guys because it feels like yeah. they understand this whole thing i hope they do another like director's round table after this the, uh, apparently they are yeah, for sure those are the best um one thing i wanted uh to touch on while we're on here like you bringing up uh grogu Navarre. the puppet the puppeteering on grogu has gotten so good oh my god so much better Right, like you, you yeah. notice the big jumps between seasons, and like it, it brings me back to like the Jim Henson days when he was doing stuff like the Dark Crystal and stuff like that, like stuff where like even like now I I have trouble understanding how you get puppeteers to do such extravagant moves for these and have it look realistic enough. You know, obviously there's still elements where you can tell it's a puppet, but I feel like there's an element of magic there that is erased when you do an all CGI character. It's the interactions between them two where it's like when IG-11 wakes up and reverts back to his original programming, it's like how Mando picks up and protects the the child and then tosses them to, to grief. Like it's those that you miss when you're doing CGI. It's like, sure, you can pick up a little green screen sack of potatoes, but it doesn't feel or look really the same. Right. Or you have the hand phasing through <laughs> the, yeah. the character. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy like because one of the example where like Grogu Grogu picks up the like Babu Frick like uh, alien. Yeah. That was like I don't think people realize how incredible that simple action is to pull off with puppets. And also so adorable. Very, very adorable. I want plushies. Like, give me some more merch of Grogu. <laughs> The only way that could have been better is if, like, the the Babu was picking up a Porg, and it was just a sandwich of, <laughs> like, levels of picking up. It's just the sandwich with the Porg feet sticking out from one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I do totally agree. I think they stepped up the game with Grogu. 
he's also like seemingly getting smarter, which is interesting because like it's a life form of supposed to be like nine hundred something years, right? Where it's we're still in year. I mean, if we're counting those couple of years with Luke, where we're probably like age like fifty five or sixty, it's still really young for for that species. He's going into toddler stage where he's gonna put everything in his mouth. I mean, he did that with the cookies. That's true. Last season. Um, is there anything you want out of Grogu? I mean, like, we got to see a little bit of the Force. Like, he picked up the candy. Um, he's, like, seemingly understanding what Mando is saying about, like, these lessons of, like, don't trust a pirate, learn how to navigate. We see him have that interaction with those, I forget what those creatures are called, but the ones that travel at hyperspeed, like the whales that took Ezra away. Oh, the the Pergil, apparently, is what they Oh, called. yeah, yeah. Like, you, you get a hint of, like, okay, he's getting in touch with the force sensitivities as well as like these Mandalorian lessons. Is it what, is there something you want out of it either in this season or just long-term? Long-term. I just want to like, see how essential his character is going to play into the future, which I'm assuming if we're going to follow up the sequel stuff, it's going to be with a character like Rogu in the future. So I hope we start taking the steps to like solidify what his role is going to be in the long term because it's cool. It's interesting, but um, yeah, they're they're really good with with some of the legacy elements of Star Wars, and I think that like tying this to the future is what I think would make this a very successful kind of jump point for a character like Grogu. I think the long term stuff is interesting to like speculate on or or have like a wish list for, but like it's such a long lifespan of a species where it's like this would take so many movies and shows for us to get to a level where you know it's a padawan level child so i think i care more about the short term and looking at some of the trailer footage i want to get more of those flashbacks i want it like you teased it up in mando season was it two where we saw order 66 um begin i want to see who snuck him out give us like the mace windu of it or like kit fisty or somebody where it's like oh awesome like that's a that's a fun fan callback for us it's that age of grogu though that i feel like is going to they might hold off on that element of the story until later which i don't i uh, i'm kind of iffy on too but yeah i'd like to get some answers for that like it'd be it'd be good to know who trained him too before all this yeah i bet we get i mean we've already explored de-aging anakin with uh with the obi-wan series and and you and mcgregor like you could possibly see either of those come back. And I think a lot of fans would be really excited about that. I want to see when Jar Jar takes him out of the Jedi temple and like, you know, brings him to safety or something. Cause you are the chosen one. <laughs> it's gotta be Jar Jar, man. That's, that's that was his whole purpose this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's evil. He would have, he would have killed him. Darth Jar Jar. That's Darth a post sequel trilogy villain right there. That's, I cannot wait for that spinoff. <laughs> All right, we did we did Grogu. We touched partially on Din's appearances here, but I do want to talk a little bit about his piloting, especially that pilot. sequence. Yeah, that sequence with the with the pirates. He pulled the Batman again here. He's like, it, it's like Batman meets pod racing. Like it's just so awesome. But the only thing I don't get is like. I don't know. It's like when you watch the trilogy first, like we all did, and then you get the prequels, 
you know Yoda is not going to die in the <laughs> fight with Palpatine. You don't know how he gets out, which I guess is the only thing to like hold on to that's exciting. But same thing here, like it's Mandalorian season three, episode one. He's not going to die in the first one. Like, does, like at the worst that could happen is he maybe gets captured or loses a limb. That's not the worst. Luke and Anakin have lost many limbs. <laughs> It's a Star Wars tradition. <laughs> you think he's going to lose a hand? Somebody's got to. And Cara Dune's <laughs> not around anymore, so <laughs> it makes sense for him to lose a limb. Maybe it's Grogu. Maybe we all have to no, deal with like not, child not, endangerment. Not little Grogu. I can't wish that upon him. He's older than both of us. <laughs> <laughs> he's older than both of us combined. <laughs> no, we no, no, no. We might be beating <laughs> him combined here. We're, we're catching up. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're not young for the audience. We are Grogu's an AR old member. for this. <laughs> uh, anything else on Mando? I mean, we could probably talk about the Bo-Katan bit either at the end or just segue into it if you want. Let's talk about these pirates real quick because I feel like uh, mm. we got we got to address these pirates. All right, let's talk about let's talk about the pirates. Um, I feel like the basic rule that Mando le- like leads with or ends with is like never trust a pirate i think that's the most obvious lesson we've ever picked up from clone wars from rebels that they're all self-serving and they definitely lie i don't understand what grief is talking about or thinking about there where he's like you kill all but one because only one needs to carry the message but it's like no that's not how the pirates work Like he's not going to just be like oh i'll spread the word that you guys are intimidating. He's going to come back with legions. And it didn't even take more than 10 minutes of screen time to get there. So I don't really understand Grief's position. I get the pirates being like, this is change that we didn't want to see. Just the same way that like Grief doesn't want to bring in a marshal from the New Republic. People just don't want their territory imposed upon or like changed at all. So I get the pecking order here. Um, I liked the small squad of pirates that we saw. I liked the squad that we got in the, um, like in the chase sequence. I don't know how I feel about the battle cruiser squad since it never really seemed to be that organized or that size of an operation in Clone Wars. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. I would have been okay with it had we seen like Hondo or somebody that's already kind of established as as yeah. a pirate in the universe. But the design kind of threw me off of the captain. It was very Muppety, and I'm not sure how to feel about that. Yeah, very Davy Jones uh, on his Star Destroyer ship. Uh, but he's also like, that's kind of what I like about the pirates is that they are like hideous monsters that are just like, you don't know what species they are, but they are this like intensity that they carry upon them. Um, but it seems to me like Mando is leaving grief in a really crap situation. I'm sure it'll come back before the end of the season to bite it. But like, I, I hope it's for something that's kind of worthwhile story-wise. You know, like I, I just hope we don't get too many side quests this season that distract us from the overall story. Well, it is an obvious plot where Mando's going somewhere to, and I'm guessing Tatooine, going somewhere to get this memory stick that he needs because, um, what was it, the episode of Book of Boba, it was well established that the Jawas can get anything and it 
it's clear that he's they got like this thing from Mandalore. They can probably get a memory chip. So like it's clear that he's gonna go find this thing and then come back because he didn't take IG eleven with him. So his story is definitely gonna arc back to Navarro, but by that time I feel like uh I, I think we could possibly like lose grief or at least lose control of that system. Yeah, or he's gonna have to rebuild because the pirates invaded or something. Because that's usually Re-rebuild? the way pirates go. Yeah, yeah. Build back better. Build it back better than it was before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly though, if we're going the pirate route, it, it kind of, and and I know this isn't like the best attitude to have on it, but I I hope they kind of bring in people that we're kind of familiar with on that front, like like Hondo. It'd be nice to see him in live action. We could also bring back Obi Wan. He was at once a pirate for a little bit there. Just Ewan McGregor playing a pirate. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> what I want. I I don't know. Do you have any other like issues, qualms with the with the pirates? I mean, it's it's odd that like they are so attached to going into the school to drink. That's such a weird sticking point. I guess they're just like trying to paint a picture of people who would fight at over nothing it was weird but that was the saloon right that was the bar that it was before yeah and then they uh that came up when uh mando revisited in season two when grogu attended classes there he was like oh this has changed a lot um and they say that every time they come back to this so i get that like they were used to it being there but then grief is like why don't we drink in my office like i thought pirates were like yeah let's just have a good time (laughs) apparently not these are high maintenance pirates I guess. I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with them. But again, like I, I, f- I hope that we don't get too inundated with too many side quests here and that they prove instrumental for the story. Yeah, the thing about the side quests, that rewatching season two really reminded me that I don't love when the side quest is forced upon Mando, where it's like, yeah, I have information for you. But first, you got to do something for me. Like, I don't love those. I love when he designs his own quest. Like, this is going to help me, you know, further my cause or get Grogu to safety or or pick up Grogu from being endangered. Like, this whole season at least is painted in that picture of, like, my end goal is to get onto Mandalore. And I first need to get a droid. And then I need to go get the part for him. It's not like grief is saying like go get that part and then i'll trade you like there's there's how you frame those side quests which make a makes a big difference at least for myself yeah i agree i feel like um as long as it serves a purpose for the story it should be it should be good otherwise it's like too formulaic where it's just do this it's quid pro quo which is we know not a good thing yeah especially in the office place (laughs) But it kind of leads me to like the question of who's the primary antagonist for Jin's quest, right? Which I think kind of touches on like the next character we look at here, which is uh, Bo-Katan. By the way, nice castle. <laughs> I, I I love that there's still Mandalorian castles around. And uh, I always forget that these are systems, as in like cl- clusters of planets, and not just one Mandalore planet, but you know one system that encompasses several worlds. So that was fun to see in live action. Yeah, I get the, I don't know, she's so defeated. She's like, and he's also coming in kind of like an idiot, 
where it's like, oh, you don't, where's your army at? It's like, no, I don't have one because you got the sword when I specifically said, let me tackle <laughs> uh, Moff Gideon. Nobody else would go after him. Like, obviously she's upset. He comes in and he's like, I'm here to join you <laughs> when the whole party's over. <laughs> it's done. I've got no one left here. Well, what about your fleet that you stole? None of them stayed, man. Get out of my castle. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just have my rainy day in my castle alone. Please leave. But she's definitely going to come around. I think she's still clearly, like, when he says, like, oh, you've given up on your designs and your plans for retaking Mandalore. You can see in her, like, face, like, and she's such a good actress that she still wants it. It's not so much about, like, being the leader, but more, like, restoring the order. Yeah, I, I, I do I do think she'll come around. I think uh, by the end of the season, they'll probably be working together. But I, I kind of wonder if they're, if she's going to be a bit of an antagonist this season. Or is she going to end up being the mentor? Because I, I always kind of expected her to become his ultimate mentor just because she has more experience in the overall Mandalore conflict over somebody like the Armorer. At least it seems. I'm not entirely sure on that. I picture it being like a council, yeah. I think like including the armor so that, you know, that perspective is saved and that heritage and the, those belief, that belief structure. But then also bring in like Bo-Katan, who really just has a passion for Mandalorians to be restored. I, I picture him being like, look, we can rewrite some of the old rules. You know, it's a people, not a place. It's also funny how she like points out that he's in a cult, right? But like then it's also like they kind of treat it the same way too when it comes to the dark saber, you know, like both sides of the whole Mandalorian schism there is very like hard-headed and set on the way that they view it. And I think that she's kind of right. If he goes up to the other Mandalorians and waves around the dark saber, they'll, they'll probably follow him just based off of the historical uh stuff that we've seen play out in the universe. Yeah, but a lot of what she says just sometimes just contradicts herself. And I feel like that maybe is just because we're supposed to be painting a picture of like someone who just doesn't care and is just presenting like all sides of the argument for argument's sake. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't fully love everything she talks about where it's like, you know, your cult diverted a long time ago. Where were you then? It's like I wasn't even born. <laughs> like you can't blame me for for the sins of my forebears. Like that wasn't my yeah. decision. Also, I'm here. She... I'm here. I'm trying to make this better. Yeah, she tried to kill her sister, <laughs> right? Like, are we? Uh, this is the same w- woman that like took. Um, and she was kind of in a leadership position too for some time with Death Watch. Yeah. So it it is an interesting like position of a character uh, to be painting here, but I think that is an interesting storyline to get. Uh, further down the line i think I, like I said it before the thing i want is where mando's kind of bringing all these worlds together um because you do want to see the the mandalorians re-rise yeah i i, I want to see what what's in store for them for the future and, and i and i hope that we like start piecing elements here together maybe also explain why there's no mandalorians at all present in the sequels not in the the front of the story you know, like they're obviously probably out there in the world but like what are they doing you know, like, None were at that casino planet. Thank God. <laughs> I think it would have saved that. Maybe they were, but they just couldn't find parking, and you know, 
<laughs> we spent three minutes talking about parking on that <laughs> that, that, that movie. So true. We've all seen Bo Katan's ship. That thing is massive. Where are you gonna park it? <laughs> uh, I think we kind of milked this episode. Anything else? Uh, mentioning? No, I mean I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Obviously, I, I kind of I think that kind of goes without saying, but like um. I'm just I'm just glad the show is back. I feel like this is one of those shows that I do enjoy watching week over week. And you know, I, I hope it's as strong as season two. That's my benchmark. Like I'm not looking for anything super, super groundbreaking, but um yeah, like to, to me, like this series has always kind of highlighted what works about Star Wars. And after, you know, enjoying Andor and some of the Bad Batch stuff and Kenobi. And Book of Boba Fett, it just feels good to be back to what I feel like seems like the focal point of the current Star Wars fandom, I guess. I think, like, no matter who you talk to, we're all going to have varying opinions about everything. But it seems like at least the majority of people seem to settle on liking The Mandalorian, which is, yeah, you can't find that in most fandoms today, which is kind of, it's you know, it's kind of odd, but, you know, it is what it is. But I- I'm just looking forward to the next seven weeks it looks like of, of this yeah we're riding this through middle of april can't wait any predictions on your end i think we've talked about most of them i think it's just like it's gonna all lead them back to navarro it looks like carl weathers is directing the fourth episode which i'm guessing is probably his own where we're returning so it's gonna take you know two three episodes to get back there i wouldn't be surprised to see it go through there and then you know, rescue Navarro. And then I think that's when we start doing this looping of going back to his crew or going to Mandalore first, then going back to his crew. I I, I picture the season ending with a uniting all of the Mandalorians. Yeah. I feel, I, I hope that's kind of how it goes. Like, even if not taking back Mandalore, at least like getting us to the first step there. Uh, but oh, yeah, I, I think he's going to do his bath and return. You think, you, you think so? Yeah, I think as soon as he rescues Navarro, I think he's splitting with IG-11. It would be cool to, to see that complete. I don't know. Like, I kind of feel like they might stretch that out into the next season. But I, I don't know. Like, you might be right. I, mean, I just kind of think that from this point, like, it, it, eight episodes seems like such a short time to do that. It feels like a King of the North situation. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And it's Star Wars. You can instant travel quicker. Yeah. I mean, he's got a jetpack. They had that in Game of Thrones, too. <laughs> all right that um, about wraps up my thoughts at, at, on yeah. this, at least let's get out of here let's get at all special shout out to my friend peter lynn for um composing the little Ooh. music slide that i'm that i'm using for for these episodes love um, it love the little guitar riff for, for mando so you know for anybody listening hope you guys enjoy it too <laughs>